What's up and welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Wherever you have downloaded this podcast, thanks so much for checking out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday from the wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois. And then against my friends in the Bay Area listening or listening in other places around the Midwest or in the South or in the Northeast or abroad. But nothing like wrestling out of Chicago. That's where we emanate from, Chicago, Illinois. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. This is one of those episodes where we catch up on some of the news that we might have missed over the last week or so. Let's do it right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So our latest episode of TWT was a celebration of life of Jody Hamilton, the assassin, the father of Nick Patrick, and one of the meanest best promos in the wrestling business, The Assassin. The Assassin was so great at what he did as a professional wrestler. And I was hoping to capture as much footage and kind of take you back to the days of The Assassin. If you missed it, go back to the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as we celebrate the life of Jody Hamilton. What a Terrific professional wrestler and just one of the great promos as well. Clear as a bell. You knew that he meant what he said. Uh, And so check it out. The celebration of the life of the assassin Jody Hamilton. I understand the other day when I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work. That overnight, one of my favorite wrestlers passed away. And it was weird because... My favorite tag team of all time is Midnight Express. You say, well, which form of the Midnight Express? And the answer is yes. Whatever form of the Midnight Express it was, whether it was Dennis Condry or with Stan Lane, the common denominator was Bobby Eaton. And beautiful Bobby passed away, and I started to cry. And I was thinking, boy, I really need some rest. (laughs) But no, it was emotional for me because I did not expect to read the news first thing when you wake up in the morning turn on your phone and you find out that beautiful Bobby's passed away half of my favorite tag team of all time the Midnight Express now we do not have a podcast celebrating the life of Bobby Eaton just as of yet because I want to wait before hitting record and putting something out there about beautiful Bobby and going back to the archives of some of his favorite moments I want to hear from several people first I want to hear from the historian Dave Meltzer, and Meltzer's already given his thoughts about beautiful Bobby going all the way back to his days in Memphis and other places as he's one of the more talented teenagers to ever wrestle uh, in the business because he started when he was 16, 17 years of age. So I, um, I wanted to be able to hear from Meltzer. I want to hear from Arn Anderson, his best friend. Uh, when they were in WCW, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton were the best of friends. And I believe that they were the best of friends as of up to the death of Bobby Eaton. I want to hear from Jim Ross about this as well. Jim Ross worked in the NWA and WCW with Bobby Eaton. And most importantly, I want to hear from Jim Cornette, the manager of the Midnight Express. Now, I saw online that Jim will comment on Bobby Eaton's passing on Saturday, as we record this here on Friday afternoon. Uh, and so we will wait for Jim to speak because Jim Cornette was with Bobby the most. And so before I just start rolling into a podcast, I just wanted to be able to 
give it a, a couple of hard beats and wait for those that knew Bobby and we can include that in the podcast. So uh, we'll have that coming up next. As you listen to this podcast, we will have our uh, tribute to one of the all-time greats, Bobby Eaton, once we hear from those dignitaries. Um, let's talk about some of the other news and notes here. Like, for instance, Adam Cole. So I, I, who doesn't like Adam Cole? Who doesn't believe that Adam Cole is not a great wrestler? Of course he's a great wrestler. Who believes that he's just less than? He's not. Longtime NXT champion who should be on the WWE main roster, but he's not. And I don't know the reason for that, but he's not on the WWE main roster. He's not on SmackDown. He's not on Raw. When we saw him with the Undisputed Era, it was amazing. Because what I saw was the reincarnation of Shawn Michaels. And you say, well, he, he hasn't had these classic matches against Bret Hart or The Undertaker or Stone Cold Steve Austin or some of these other guys like Mankind and Vader. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that when you watch Adam Cole, you can see the influence of Shawn Michaels. When you see Dolph Ziggler, you see the influence of Shawn Michaels. And when you see the Young Bucks in some ways, you see Shawn Michaels there as well. And so when I look at Adam Cole, undersized, sure. But that doesn't really matter as far as his ability to tell a story. His matches with Johnny Gargano, his matches in NXT are far better and far exceed some of the best matches we've seen in NXT because Adam Cole's always had time to be able to tell a story. And I know that Shawn Michaels thinks very highly of Adam Cole. And we come to find out that his contract was coming to an end at NXT. And there was no 90-day compete, from what I understand. There was an opportunity for him to go elsewhere. And the rumor was that Tony Khan AEW made an offer to Adam Cole. Tony Khan said just recently, this week, that there was no offer made for Adam Cole. That Adam Cole, as a matter of fact, according to the Wrestling Observer, and who knows with that, it says that Adam Cole will be returning to NXT, or at least in the WWF under the banner of the WWE. And it's kind of like, well, well, why is that, right? Today's business clearly is different than it was 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I don't mean just in ring. I don't mean the lack of television deals in which TV networks around the world want to pay you to put on television and put on your product. But, you know... I really believe in spreading the wealth when it comes to talent. And this is why uh, I said recently on an Instagram video, which we'll get into at another time, but if you follow me on Instagram, you heard me say this about a week ago, that it is more than NXT and AEW and the WWE. Other companies like a New Japan or a Ring of Honor or an Impact Wrestling should be able to get in on a bid for Adam Cole if he did want to leave the WWE. See, here's what it's come down to now in 2021. You can either make your bones and make your money on the independents and just go to all the independents and rack up money that way. You can go to AEW and in some ways get lost in the sauce where you can be on a fresh new platform for Turner and for Tony Khan. But at the same time, you could be lost on that roster already. There's a sea of talent there. And there's only a few guys that can get over, and then there's a lot of young wrestlers that are raw and not ready yet. 
Or you can get lost in the sauce in the WWE or just be on that treadmill of mediocrity. And so Adam Cole in NXT has become stale. There's no doubt. Because after the Undisputed Era broke up, he should be on SmackDown. Uh, Raw, maybe not, but definitely on the wrestler's... TV show, what did I say, the wrestling fans TV show, a lot more wrestling than sports entertainment on the WWE platform for me is SmackDown on Fox. He's a star. Look at him. Still young enough, a veteran, but still young enough to be able to get over and have great matches. But remember, we're talking about the audience of one in Vince McMahon. And for Adam Cole, the pros are, well, my girlfriend's there, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is wrestling in AEW. He can go to AEW have some great matches. Great matches with veteran talent. And make young talent along the way. Because it's a fresh new set of opponents. But does he get lost in AEW? And my frustration is, is that Ring of Honor, and I'll say this again, with ROH and Impact, that are run by media conglomerates. Like, like ROH is run by Sinclair. And Impact Wrestling, out of, uh, based out of Canada, really, their offices out of Canada, there doesn't, it makes no sense for them not to invest in their own product. It should not be a two-horse race. It should be a five-horse race. And if WWE is ahead of that, that's fine. And if AEW is a close second, that's great. But there's no reason why for a Ring of Honor Impact or even MLW or a New Japan to be more involved in the uh, North America, to be involved in getting more of this prime quality talent that's out here. They're either going to be free agents or free agents right now. doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. So I look at it like from this standpoint, I look at Adam Cole as someone that could be able to make a difference for the Ring of Honor brand or for MLW or for other places. But if the money's not right, of course you go back to the WWE. If the money's not right, of course you go to AEW. So I totally understand that. But I want to make sure that that story's clear from Wrestling Observer that originally they said that he's going to be a free agent and Tony Khan made an offer. And Tony said, no, I didn't make an offer. Whether that's a lie or not, um, point is, though, is that it's a likelihood for Adam Cole to return to NXT. Or, a, or the WWE. Remember, Triple H and Shawn Michaels really like Adam Cole. You see the influence of Shawn Michaels in Adam Cole, so it would not surprise me. How about this other story about Nature Boy Ric Flair? Ric Flair asked for his release from the WWE. And from stories and podcasts I've heard this week, apparently, Ric Flair is unhappy with the creative for Charlotte and unhappy himself in the WWE. It's not the last time that Vince McMahon has granted Ric Flair his release from WWE. Let's take a look at the Charlotte end of this, right? Charlotte is in this battle with Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. Almost a superhero. And it's kind of ridiculous. I saw this two or three weeks ago where Charlotte Flair just dominates Nikki, the current WWE Raw Women's Champion. Dominates her. Beats the shit out of her. And wins on Raw. Cool. The next week, with 50-50 booking, here comes Nikki Ash with a victory against Charlotte. All to set up some SummerSlam matchup 
three-way dance for the Raw Women's Championship, and I just don't understand it. You know, it's the same Charlotte that won the championship and then lost it the next day to Nikki. What's the point of this, right? So I can understand where Ric Flair can look at it and says, you know, my daughter's getting this shit booking. Why don't you fix this? And Ric Flair apparently sent this long text to Vince, and Vince says, you know what, if you don't like it here, you could be released. I'll release you. And Ric asked for his release. Now, Ric Flair made a comment on Instagram, and I saw it on Instagram and Twitter. I won't go through the entire thing, but he's just happy that, for all this time in the WWE and talking about how he's more relevant today than he was in years past because you see Ric Flair on commercials now. The same commercials he's doing now he should have done in the 90s, if not the 80s. He should have been more star-studded, but what he was doing, he was wrestling 300 days a year all over the country, being the NWA or WCW champion, and that's what it called for. You had to wrestle all over the country, and so you know, while Hulk Hogan was filming movies and commercials, Ric Flair was you know, cutting himself three times on a house show in Kansas City against Harley Race because he was a wrestler and was respected by fans because he wasn't Hulk Hogan. It's a funny thing about Ric Flair and his relationship with Vince McMahon because Jim Cornette just recently answered a question from a listener about the relationship between Ric Flair and, and Vince McMahon. To the, when I'm going to play this for you in just a moment. But it, it just it seems to me like Vince McMahon has really never truly respected Ric Flair. McMahon's never really respected Ric Flair because he didn't have the muscles, because he was not 6'5", 6'6", and 300 pounds, because he wasn't the ultimate warrior. The wrestler's wrestler, you know, as far as Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Bob Backlund, uh, wrestlers of that ilk, I don't think that Vince really appreciated those guys that much. I don't think so. What he appreciated was the guys that are muscle-bound the guys that were cartoons, guys like that. The guys that could be able to push merch with their muscles, all those things. So let me go back in time and just so we can paint a picture of the relationship between Ric Flair and Vince McMahon from the Jim Cornette podcast. Vince respects who Ric Flair has been, what he's done, his longevity, the dedication he's had to the business, the fact that he was the, the guy for the only opposition that that Vince had there for quite a while etc Vince never liked Ric Flair's style of wrestling or style of matches and he wouldn't be Ric Flair he wouldn't be Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler or even in the top 50 Vince McMahon's favorite kind of wrestler was Hulk Hogan the exact antithesis Vince has always wanted to make it entertainment Vince has always wanted to make it cartoon characters or the male soap opera or all the other nom de plumes that Vince has come up with to describe what he does instead of wrestling. It's all about the marketing and the merchandising and the dropping the pretense of it being real. We don't want to insult our audience. That's all been Vince. And Hulk Hogan was perfect for that. And Flair was not. Because Flair got over by trying to make people believe in him in his matches, in the business, in whatever. So Vince has been very nice and accommodating to Rick. He's released Rick when Rick asked more times than he's released any other talent I can think of that's ever worked for him on purpose. Um, And at the talent's request. 
because the first time Rick went up there, he told him and he kept his word. Vince told Rick, if I ever come to the point where I don't want to use you as a top guy, the top guy, I don't know how it was phrased, in the in the title picture, I'll give you your release. And about a year later, that time came and he did. And he went back and Flair went back to WCW. But no, Vince does not like that kind of wrestling for whatever reason. The, the good shit, he always wanted it to be entertainment, theme parks. He said he wanted to be the Walt Disney of wrestling. He wasn't concerned about the credibility of the business. It's all entertainment. It's all a show. So that is completely opposite of everything that Flair's whole gimmick and way of working stood for and it's just not the kind of wrestling that Vince likes for what he, he liked Bret Hart but you know but goddamn, if you leave Vince to, and when he has Bret Hart in front of him he'll use Bret Hart but he when you leave Vince to his own devices he'll go to a Hulk Hogan or an Ultimate Warrior and that's why the audiences have always been so different either WWF in the 80s and against NWA, WWF in the 90s against WCW, or now, unfortunately, the audiences are still different, WWE versus AEW, but the WWE product is now the believable one. So, but that's that's what it's, it's not that he doesn't respect the guy, but he, you know, he's never liked that kind of matches. He would rather have promoted Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior than Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. So the thoughts there from Jim Cornette on the Jim Cornette drive Through podcast, wherever you download your podcasts, as Jim talks about Vince McMahon and his disdain for Ric Flair as far as his in-ring ability. Not enough cartoon, not enough showmanship, I guess, for, for Vince McMahon. And so it's always been up and down the relationship between Ric Flair and Vince McMahon. I just wanted to play that for you for context and drop a seed, uh, especially with someone like Jim who's worked on both sides of the rivalry, worked for WCW, the NWA, worked for the WWE as well as a talent and a front office person. Cody Rhodes. Let's get to Cody Rhodes for a second. So Cody Rhodes um, takes on Malachi Black on the latest edition of AEW Dynamite emanating from Jacksonville, Florida. And so Cody Rhodes has said on multiple occasions that bad versus good, good guy versus bad guy, um, you know, a baby face or um, a heel are tired tropes in professional wrestling. That those things don't even exist anymore in his mind. I don't know why Cody Rhodes likes to lie. He may feel that way, but he doesn't see his character that way. It's funny the parallel that Cody has with his dad, Dusty, in this regard. His late father, the great American dream, Dusty Rhodes. You know, you'll hear Cody say that, oh, you know, in Charlotte, I heard people booing me when I was going after Malachi Black when he had me laying. And in his latest edition of Dynamite, you heard some boos for Cody Rhodes when he came out in his matchup against Malachi Black. There is good guys and bad guys still in wrestling. There are still heels and baby faces. They may not be as sharp or as clearly defined as it once was, but it's certainly the case. 
I'll have one question for Mr. Rhodes, who got beat soundly by Malachi Black because he's going to be off of TV for a while. This is how it works. Cody, you know, John Cena has done this. Other people have done this. When you get beat quickly and soundly, usually you're going to be off TV for a while. And so Cody's going to be on Go Big Show, the TV show on TBS, and so he's going to go film that for a while and then make this triumphant comeback. If you saw the end of the show, you saw that Cody Rhodes is left laying. Tony Schiavone is trying to help him up. There's going to be this big speech at the end. Cody was taking off his boots as if he's going to retire from the business. And then Malachi Black came from behind and, and knocked out Cody Rhodes again. Well, through this whole rivalry, you know who's been wearing black? Malachi Black. And who's been wearing white? Cody Rhodes. When you wear white, what does that mean? What happens when you wear white? That means that you are pure. That means you are clean. That means in wrestling you're a baby face if you wear white tights. If the whole wrestling business is filled with tired tropes about baby face versus heel like that doesn't matter anymore, then how come Cody kept wearing white? How come he kept wearing white tights? Because clearly white versus black matters when it comes to what a wrestler wears. So that's what that was all about, clearly. So, But Cody says that these uh, tropes about good guy versus bad guy doesn't matter. Then how come Cody didn't wear just orange tights? How come he didn't wear, like, green tights? He wore white because white means good. And Malachi Black wearing black, not only is it his gimmick name, but also there's a darkness to Malachi Black. The, what they were trying to give off is Cody Rhodes being the good guy, even though he said that's not a thing. He did mention in his press conference he had with the media that, that I was on a couple of days ago that he understood that there were people booing him. Why does that bother him? You know, it bothered his father, too, when his father's act got tired in the, like, maybe, like, to tour the back end of the 80s where they'd go in those TBS studios or in certain places around the country, especially in Chicago. When Dusty Rhodes came here, he was getting booed because people got tired of the jive and the same flip-flop and fly with the elbow and just the two or three things that he did well. You wear on an audience. So Cody, even though he says, oh, there's really no good guy and bad guy, it did bother him that he got booed, and you could tell. And he goes away, and he'll come out as his hero, and we'll see how that works moving forward. I just wanted to point that out because there is good guy versus bad guy still in television, in movies, everything else. As Dutch Mantel told uh, Vince Russo, when Dutch Mantel and Vince Russo were working together in TNA, Vince Russo says, hey, bro, bro, I don't understand this whole thing, bro, with this good guy versus bad guy, this heel and baby face. And... Dutch Mantel says, well, I got a book for you to understand good guy versus bad guy and heels versus babyface. He goes, bro, that'd be great. What book is it? And Dutch said, the Bible. And then he walked out of the room. Bray Wyatt was released. Let's talk about that for a second. The first thing I heard and read is that Bray Wyatt was released and people said, oh, great. He could go to AEW. And I said, no. Even though that's very likely for him to do that, that's not what I want. It goes back to what I said earlier. Him, uh, Bray Wyatt going to AEW under a different name doesn't help the business. What helps the business is if others are able to spend money and to be able to bring other talent in. Bray Wyatt 
as the head of the new Dark Order, all that kind of stuff. It's just, to me, AEW should not be the wayward home for boys and girls that couldn't get over in the WWE or that was released. That's not what the AEW... AEW shouldn't be like, oh, I can't see him in the WWE anymore. Oh, I can see him in AEW. That's awesome. No, they should be in other companies. That that talent should be spread around the country. But it's not at this point in time. Ring of Honor has a TV network that won't spend money to put them in places where they could be seen. Uh, the MLW, looking for a home still. Uh, New Japan, not really uh, in America enough to be able to make a difference to have their own brand in America. So there's other places where others can work, but the money's not the same. Bray Wyatt shouldn't be going to AEW, but I think it's very likely. But as we talk about the talent, damn, man. I mean, they, they dropped the ball on Bray Wyatt, the WWE. They dropped the ball on him. When you have a talent like that that's over, let's just not forget. It's like a broken record with me talking about this on the show. You saw the fans look at Bray Wyatt as a character babyface. People were singing the song. People were uh, turning, getting their lights on their s- cell phones, turning their flashlights on, only, you know, putting on the, a lighter up because they illuminate the arena because they were behind him. They don't do that for bad guys. They do that for character baby faces. The creepy chair he sat in, the beard, the tattoos, the hat, the whole Dan Spivey gimmick from the mid-'90s uh, from Cape Fear was turned up to 155,000 watts with Bray Wyatt doing that whole thing with the Wyatt family. It was over. But because it was naturally over with the fans, Vince shit on it. (laughs) He put it over to a point, right? The Fiend also is another level to Bray Wyatt, which I think was really cool. But at the same time, when you have a talent that's over one way or the other, you don't just set them aside and put them on ice for six months. That's exactly what they did. This is no different from Fandango. This is no different from any other gimmick that got over where Vince said, wait, it didn't get over in the writing room or in my office, so this can't be. Daniel Bryan, over and over again, the long list, CM Punk. The, the list is endless of talent that Vince did not like, but the audience did. And Bray Wise is a perfect example of that. So every arena around the country, everyone's turning on their flashlights and they're going with the music and they love the rocking chair and they like the whole bit that he was doing. It was awesome. It was awesome. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed it immensely. But because he didn't give over with Vince, he's released today. Hadn't been on TV for a while. There could be limitations to everything that he was doing as a wrestler. Doesn't mean that you can't shine him up to have him do something different. And that was the whole point of what was going on with him. And so he gets released. I would love to see he and his brother, Bray Wyatt and his brother, be a tag team and just dominate dominate tag team wrestling in Japan and other places because he and his brother, I think, can be very talented as a tag team. I, I have not given up on Bo Dallas like the WWE did. They had nothing for Bo. And then ultimately they had nothing for Bray at the end and they let him go. And so Bray Wyatt is a talent that I think can really make a difference. It doesn't have to be the same scary gimmick. It doesn't have to do the same things. But as a wrestler, as a talent, I think that he's very, very good. But you just don't say this is who he is. He's Wyndham Rotunda or he's whatever that bad gimmick he had at Florida Championship Wrestling. You know, that just, it's nonsense. So 
I hated that he was let go, but now he could be able to have a fresh image, a fresh gimmick, and be able to set the world on fire again because you know we as fans are behind him. What else here did we not get to that I want to go over? Bray Wyatt, Ric Flair, Cody Rhodes. Um, I know that AEW, for the sixth time, have been over one million viewers on TNT for the Dynamite show. That's pretty awesome. So congratulations to them. And the reason why is because in this era of streaming, the Olympics are going on this summer, the end of in the NBA playoffs, a lot of things for us to watch on Netflix, a lot of things to do. When AEW can get over a million or more viewers, especially a couple times over the last two or three weeks, with them being on the road in different places like Austin and Charlotte, back to Jacksonville, they'll be in Chicago soon. It's, it's pretty cool. I think that's great. Speaking of AEW, let me make this announcement now at 29 minutes and coming up on 30 seconds. We here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday will be giving away tickets for AEW shows in Milwaukee at the United Center in Chicago and the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. So I want you to stay tuned to my morning show I host with David Kaplan, Cap and J-Hood Mornings, between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000. And also, please download the ESPN Chicago app. That way you're never missing an episode of when to hear me talk something other than wrestling. I'm talking Chicago sports, national sports, everything else, uh, every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on the ESPN Chicago app. So... We're negotiating to work to, to be able to get tickets away. We gave tickets away for the WWE Monday Night Raw event in the, the first Monday in August, and we're trying to do the same thing because AEW's got a slew of shows, a ton of shows, in the Chicagoland area, in Chicago, for Rampage, and also in Milwaukee at the Panther Arena in Milwaukee. So s- stick to this podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, WrestlingTWT, to find out how you can win tickets to go to these events if you have not purchased them themselves. Now, I know that the United Center show, they say sold out, and I think that's sold out meaning that they're releasing more tickets. I got a feeling that's going to be a special show because reasonable deduction tells me that if you already have shows in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, which is about an hour out of, out of the city depending on the traffic, if you have a number of shows at the Now Arena, the old Sears Center, and you all of a sudden pop up a show at the United Center, the Chicago Bulls and Chicago Blackhawks Stadium, um, that means something big is going to happen. And I think you and I know what that could be. If it's just a regular Rampage show on a random Friday or whatever the hell they're going to have this, that's not good. <laughs> There's a reason why they're, they're, they are buying in a very expensive building in the middle of the summer, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the United Center. And so that could be a very special night. And I hope that I can get you tickets to go see that. Same thing in Milwaukee, 90 minutes outside of Chicago. If you're listening in Wisconsin, an opportunity for me to hook you up there. Uh, we are negotiating those tickets because if we did it for the WWE, we'd like, love to do that for AEW fans as well. And speaking of AEW, that's going to be that Rampage show on Fridays. They've released the um, play-by-play announcers and color analysts for the, the Rampage show on Fridays. Taz, Jericho, Mark Henry, and Excalibur. Excalibur, 
not only the, the voice of Dynamite, but also the, the, the voice of Rampage as well. This is, if this ain't WCW, nothing is. Like, Tony Schiavone did Nitro and Thunder. And after a while, as a viewer, you got tired of hearing Tony's voice. Tony admits now that he, his work wasn't very good toward the end of WCW because he was burned out. He was doing both shows. And I understand that he was the trusted play-by-play guy. I understand that Tony trusts Excalibur, but they can't afford another play-by-play guy, someone different, a different cadence. I know Jim either doesn't want to do it anymore or can't with the kind of pace that's there because it's hard to tell stories when some of the younger wrestlers are going 100 miles an hour. Um, but Taz, I think, is very good. I think Jericho in spots, I think it initially he was good during the pandemic and then he started screeching on the air. Doesn't make him bad. I'm just saying that at, at some points he's good and I've not heard Mark and we're going to have Mark Henry on this show uh, pretty soon here to promote his debut as a color analyst. Uh, my buddy from Sirius XM busted open. Uh, and so you're going to have three color analysts and Excalibur. The same Excalibur you hear doing YouTube shows, the same Excalibur that you hear doing dynamite will now be doing this friday show as well i just think it's good to have a little bit of a mixture because wcw that's not tony's not the reason why wcw sucked toward the end that was booking but you like to have a variety of voices if you can and excalibur is very good on dynamite there's no question i think he's an acquired taste Uh, i I don't think he's great by any stretch but but i think that excalibur uh is able to put together news and notes about wrestlers that we you know that we may not be aware of that we don't know uh and so i uh i look forward to seeing exactly uh what excalibur taz jericho and mark henry all four guys together on one show that's too many analysts gotta spread the wealth i think a little bit more than that but that's the decision that we saw online don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling TWT. Again, it's Wrestling TWT. And don't forget, we will have a podcast, a special podcast, addressing the passing of one of the all-time greats, beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, half of the great tag team, the Midnight Express. That was my favorite tag team growing up. Um, I'll explain that on the next podcast. I don't want to do it here because I'm not trying to break down and cry in front of uh, Eric Ostrowski and uh, and Ryan McGuire, who's watching me do this podcast as I watch the Cubs and Sox game on a Friday afternoon. But I always wanted to drop in and give you some news and notes and my thoughts on some of these uh, matters. And uh, don't forget, I really need your feedback, as always. Wrestling TWT, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to get your feedback on our conversations uh, about professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Talk soon.